when those thousand planners arrived, I was so fired up about selling them because I was like, oh my God, now I need to sell these. And guess what? I only have four months to do it because January starts, you know, in four months. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn why they move from focusing on big influencers to instead turning their customers into brand ambassadors, why they give away products instead of discount codes to get email signups, and how they turn a seasonal business into predictive and stable revenue throughout the year. Before we get into our show, I want to share a strategy some businesses are using to help manage cash flow during COVID-19. They're selling gift cards. Gift cards give customers a way to support you right now. We've seen some creative ways to market them, like selling gift cards at a discount, giving special offers for customers who've redeemed them in the future, and adding free gift cards to high-value cards as a bonus. As part of Shopify's response to COVID-19, gift cards are now available on all Shopify plans. So you can start selling them right away. For more information, visit shopify.com slash gift card. Today, I'm joined by Marissa Groot from Still. Still is a company that aims to design organizational products that inspires women to feel work and find their best selves. It was started in 2014 and based out of Vancouver, Canada. Welcome, Marissa. Hi. So the idea behind the business started because you yourself were looking for a planner? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've i been a, so to speak, planner girl for a pretty long time. Um, I actually used planners when I was um, in elementary school and then all the way through high school. And I remember even back then, um, I would kind of alter my planners to fit my needs and to fit my style and to make them look a certain way that kind of like made me feel good about using them. So at the time I had a, I was, I had a full-time job. Um, I also had a side gig. I was actually doing Stella and Dot. I was like a stylist for them. So you, I was doing these jewelry parties because I was kind of like looking for a side gig. And then I was also going to school for three nights a week in design. And um, so I had basically these three different schedules that I had to organize and it was just, it was, there was just a lot going on. So I, I knew that I needed a good planner to kind of like get me through that year. Um, so I, you know, I went to Indigo chapters here in Canada and, um, got myself a planner. I felt really good about it. I was excited to use it. But then when I actually got into using it, I realized very quickly that it wasn't very functional. And then also the, the aesthetics itself was, wasn't something that I fully identified with, but I thought, you know, like if, if it was going to serve the purpose, then I was okay with having something that maybe didn't look as pretty on my desk. So after that, after realizing that the planner that I had purchased that I spent $40 on really wasn't very functional, I decided to do a little bit of research into what planners existed out on the market that were maybe a bit of a higher price point, but that had some of the things that I really needed um, in a planner, which was most importantly, being able to separate all of my tasks and to-do lists from my actual scheduling and time-based activities every day. And what I ended up coming across, at least um, at the time, this was 2014, I noticed that a ton of planners were targeted towards moms or new moms who were doing, you know, like activity planning, meal planning, um, you know, a lot of scheduling for their kids, grocery lists, um, all things that I necessarily didn't need at the time um, because I was 24. So I didn't necessarily want those things. And I also 
a lot of the cover designs were floral or they had, you know, um, different colored stripes or it was a lot of kind of like polka dot type of things. So I just wanted something that was really clean looking, um, really beautifully designed. Um, and the inside pages were just a nice layout, really good typography. And at the time, I just really couldn't find anything that was like that. So I kind of set out on this mission because I was in design school to just design my own planner for myself, not necessarily with the intention of starting a business, um, just with a basically necessity for something that I needed in my life that I needed right away to kind of get my shit together. <laughs> So how did you actually design your specific planner? How did you start looking for ideas to make your own planner? So initially, I actually, um, I spoke to a lot of my friends and my colleagues about different ways that they organize their schedules because everyone does it in one way or another. Some people use, you know, like their Google Calendar. Other people have different types of like organizational um, apps, you know, like Asana um, and things like that. So I kind of just did a bit of research into what different types of people are using and what makes them enjoy using these apps and these other books. Um, and then what I ended up realizing, and this was a really big thing for myself is a lot of, um, a lot of the, the best ways that you can kind of organize your mind is just by being able to get everything that you need to get done on the page. Um, so having a section that is specifically dedicated to your daily to-do list. So you know, the things that you need to get done um, that you want to just physically check off because there's nothing better than the feeling of being able to cross out a task or check it off. But then also like having a separate section entirely for anything that is time-based. So being able to put your lunch meetings, your Skype calls, your Zoom calls, whatever, um, you know, your activities, your yoga, your exercise, um, and then even something like as simple as having like dinner plans or, um, meal planning for your dinner, especially if you're working all day, um, and being able to kind of like write that all out into a planner and having it completely separate, because then what it kind of allows you to do is look at your schedule for the week and decide, here's how many things I can realistically get done in the day. And then you end up um, writing that into your task list and then not feel like you're constantly underperforming because you're actually getting done the right amount of things and you feel good about it. How did you manage your time from both running this, this new business you're starting and having to go to work during the day? I honestly think for me, um, back when I was running the business and eventually obviously got into selling the planners, I still had my job. I was still doing design work and all these things. What helped me like above all else was knowing my schedule and putting every single thing into my schedule that I was doing in a day so that I, that had kind of like my hours planned out versus loosely being like, okay, well, you know, maybe now I should probably be working on my business. No, like I think what really is important is like scheduling that time into your planner. So, you know, dedicating, if you decide you're going to dedicate three hours a week or four hours a week to your business, schedule that into your planner, whether that is every night that, you know, you're working on your business from like seven to 10 or, you know, Saturday mornings from like 8 a.m. until noon, you're working on your business. Make sure you're actually putting that physically into your planner because, not only is it then in your schedule, but it also actually allows you to remember that better and your mind feels more at ease knowing that you have this on paper. 
So when you are working a day job, which I think a lot of listeners might be out there in that situation where they have a day job, they have something else going on in their life that takes up a big chunk of their time, and they also now need to to be focused on building a business, how do you actually choose the tasks, the things you need to do on your to-do list that actually move the needle? I think that um, what we often kind of get confused with is like importance and urgency. Like I think we often focus on urgency more than we focus on like importance. So I think it's actually a really good activity to basically look at your tasks and think about, okay, is this important or is it just urgent? Um, Whereas I feel like usually when we get up, we're like, oh, like I really just need to get this done. This needs to get out of the way. But is it like thinking actively about like whether or not this is actually important, I think is a really defining kind of like productive task to do um because oftentimes it can you can just get so overwhelmed with feeling like you have all of these crazy things to do but if you actually look at your tasks and you kind of like start separating yourself from them and you decide okay like maybe today I'm just gonna focus on something that's really important that maybe I've been putting off and then spend whatever time you have to get that done because you're going to feel so great at the end of the day being like, wow, I actually did this and I didn't put it off any longer. Okay. So then once you had your, your idea, the design of that, that, that plan of the ideal planner, how did you go that? What was the, what was the process to actually start getting those first prototypes, the first, the first designs actually created? So I actually made, um, so the first planner I ever made was actually handmade because for some strange reason, I decided to get into book binding. So I actually, I know how to make books, like hardcover books. So I know how to sew the pages together, make a spine and like glue it all together and make, make an entire book. And so I actually made, um, a few like planner books for some girlfriends of mine for, uh, Christmas. So I just thought that they would be the perfect gift to give to someone, um, you know, like getting into the new year. And and obviously it was something that was handmade and I was really proud of. And the feedback that I ended up receiving from, I think it was about 10 of them that I ended up making was that, you know, obviously it was an amazing gift, but also like, hey, this is really working for me. I've never used a planner this way and I'm finding myself so much more organized Um, like, are you going to keep making them? Because I'll probably need one next year. Um, And then I guess in my head, I kind of realized, oh, maybe, maybe there's actually a lot more like women that would need this type of planner in their life. So I decided to basically go out on a limb. I ended up quitting my nine to five job, um, basically cold turkey. I just decided to give it up because I wanted to I wanted to dedicate 100% of my time to running this thing and making making this work because I also, I think what a lot of entrepreneurs forget, especially early on, is if you're not spending 100% of your time on your business, you're, you end up not moving as quickly as you would like to. And there's also not that incredible scary fire like under you to be like wow like I need to make this work otherwise I can't pay my bills and I think that scariness of feeling like you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from is actually a really great place to be mentally when you're running a business because it allows for kind of like innovation and new ideas to come because you're you're pressured to kind of like come up with ways to get creative for making making income 
Got it. So now once you dove into into this business, what were the first things you did? How did you actually set the business up? So I didn't even have an Instagram account. <laughs> I had a, I had an Etsy store. That's all I had. I had an Etsy store. I was like handwriting all of the, um, you know, the shipping labels, you know, hand wrapping everything. And I ended up getting, so the Shopify store I launched in August 2015. I think is what it was. Twenty, I, I think it was 2015. Um, so for a while I was just on Etsy because, you know, it was handmade and all of those things. Um, but between that period of time, I ended up taking all of my savings. I think I had about $30,000 in savings that I had from, you know, birthday money, working my summer jobs and all of those things, like money that I just like um, saved because my idea as, you know, when I was 18 was like, oh, I'm going to get a car when I'm in my early twenties. I'm going to buy myself a nice car, but I ended up realizing I don't need a car. <laughs> so I ended up putting all of that money into my first production run of a thousand units, like a thousand planners that I produced overseas, which I think was the craziest and scariest thing that I've ever done. And I, I think to this day, I think a lot of people, like in my family at least, like still didn't fully understand like what I was doing. Um, but I just felt like, I felt like I had an idea and I felt like I had something that I just wanted to explore and I was willing to take the risk of like losing it all in order to give it a try. Where did you get your first sales from? So I had, I did have orders um, from Etsy. I think I probably sold about a hundred units on Etsy in that time, maybe, maybe 150. Um, not a lot, definitely not a thousand. I wasn't selling thousands of units. Um, but I, you know, in terms of going and manufacturing overseas, that's what made sense. It made sense to do a larger run of books. Obviously, I was very naive to the whole experience, but I think that was actually kind of an amazing, the amazing part of it because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I had never done it before, but I learned so much in that process. And it, when I, when those thousand planners arrived, I was so fired up about selling them because I was like, oh my God, now I need to sell these. And guess what? I only have four months to do it because January starts, you know, in four months. So that's the other thing about having a dated planner product is people, there's a certain buying period where people buy these planners for their new year because they like to be able to set up their year. They like to be able to have it ahead of time. And then when January starts, like everyone is set and ready to go. Tell us about how you found your, your manufacturer. How did you find a manufacturer to, to produce these planners for you? I ended up connecting with a friend of mine uh, here in Vancouver that knew somebody that worked overseas at a printing place. I myself, like when I was in design school, I did a lot of print projects and I had a lot of printing experience through, you know, working with printers here locally. So I knew, I knew what I wanted in terms of paper and finishing and foiling. And I, I just, I knew all of the lingo. I knew how to do, how to create dyes. I knew how to do all of that. So for me, it was just a matter of finding a connection overseas and being able to basically communicate what I wanted. In the end, I learned a lot in terms of how to communicate correctly with like overseas partners um, and how to get across like what you're trying to do. So it did take, I think it took three or four samples um, back and forth for us to be able to come up with a planner that actually worked because initially I had this idea of having um, this pocket inside the planner every single month, but it ended up making it like five inches thick. 
So I was like, oh, this is definitely not going to work. Um, and so it was just a matter of like trying different things and figuring out, you know, what makes sense and like having to go back into InDesign and maybe redesign some layouts um, to make them fit nicely. Um, so that that process took a lot longer in the initial stages of like my first production run. I was I was okay and decently happy with our first run, but it definitely, I didn't feel like 110% ecstatic about it. Um, so I really was excited to kind of like get into 2016 to really try and, um, focus on like making it better. So every year it's kind of been more of a focus on just like, how can we make this better this year? And now that we have such a huge platform of women, we go to them directly to be, you know, to get feedback from them. So it's so much different now than it was back then when I was just making decisions on a whim to be like, Oh, I feel like this is what I would use. That is what I would use. So let's just go with that. Cause I didn't really have that sort of like huge network of customers to kind of like fall back on. So now looking back, how accurate were you with your, your guesses on what kind of planner your, your ideal customers wanted? I was pretty much dead on, actually. Um, and that was the funny part. So this was the, the most hilarious part about this whole thing is I got these planners. I started selling them in August. And I remember the day that I launched my Shopify store, I got one order and I was panicking. I was like, oh my God, if I sell one planner like all month or like in the next four months, like what am I going to do? Um, and it was, it was kind of that, that sort of like moment of like, okay, like I need to, I need to figure this out. So I really kind of got creative with getting my product out there and this is going to sound funny, but I kind of started my business in like the heyday of Instagram when Instagram was just becoming this thing that now brands were using and bloggers were using and people were using sort of like to get influencer status. And there was no influencers, um, back then. So, you know, like reaching out to bloggers who all had blogs, who were writing blogs, um, was a lot easier because a lot of them at the time were looking for content because they, they, you know, they didn't have these big brands gifting them things. It was more so like a new thing where you would reach out to someone and be like, Hey, like I'll give you free product if you write a blog post. Um, and then that ended up translating into Instagram, like an Instagram post. So when, this whole sort of like heyday of Instagram was happening. I was sending out product to these people that were bloggers at the time. And basically what I did is I strategically would send out, you know, um, two or three a month. And then there was a chance that, you know, a customer or somebody would see the same planner on maybe two or three different platforms a few weeks apart. So maybe they follow, you know, blogger X, blogger Y and blogger Z, and maybe they see it on blogger X and Z's posts. And they think, you know, the second or third time that you see something, you're like, oh, like I've seen this before. I think I should, I think I should get this. Um, so that's basically what ended up happening is I kind of just like set myself up in this way where people just kept seeing it like here and there, like a couple weeks apart or, um, and it was, it was quite easy for me to just reach out to people that I was following myself, whose content that I, um, really cherished, um, myself and that I enjoyed reading. So it was easy for me to reach out and just say, you know, like I've been following you for a year, or like I've been reading your posts and, you know, here's what I love about your style, whatever. I feel like you could benefit from using this planner. And at the time it was just so easy to send out a gift. Um, and then what the other thing that I did was I really, wanted to, um, get my planner onto sort of like a big, sort of like a big retailer, um, retailer shelf. And so 
I ended up reaching out multiple times to um, Chapters Indigo, which is like our biggest sort of like bookseller here um, in Canada. And they um, they rejected me, I think, like eight or nine times. <laughs> and then the 10th time, somebody was like, OK, well, send us a sample and then, you know, we'll see what happens kind of thing. Um, and sure enough, a couple of weeks later, they ended up placing a I think it was around 200 units that they ordered from me. Um, that they sold in three days. And during those three days, I sold out of everything on my own store. So before the year ended, the year 2015, I was completely sold out of product and I had nothing to sell. That's amazing that you stayed persistent and, and finally got, got them to work with you. So now, is that something that you still do today or something that you still recommend other people do today? It's changed so much um, in the last couple of years. I feel like every year had a, had a new wave of something different that, that we were kind of doing. Um, nowadays, like today, we've focused so much more on our customers' um, Instagram than we do on influencers. Um, we do work with um, influencers, so to speak, but we don't, like, we don't, have sort of like contracts with ambassadors or anything like that, that kind of promote our products for, for payment kind of thing. So we really just focus on people. We focus on everyday women who actually use our product and we reach out to them to be like, Hey, you know, we'll give you a $250 gift card. If you kind of like become an ambassador for us and because you enjoy the products and you actually use it every single day. So we want to hear from you because you're like an accurate account of, you know, what it's like to actually use the product and benefit from it. Okay, so you think that these kind of smaller micro-influencers have been more effective for you than these, these you know, bigger influencers in your space? I think that, or like, a couple of years ago, I think things were a lot different, and we were definitely focusing more on, like, the bigger influencers, and it's, like, what everybody wanted. And, and then I think what ended up happening, and I think a lot of people probably resonate with this is the market just got so saturated so that it was really difficult to kind of like figure out like, okay, is this person talking about this because they actually really like it or just because they're getting paid, you know, $2,000 to talk about it? Um, because I think that being like the authenticity is a really, really big part. And that, like, that's the reason why I got into what I'm doing is I want to, I want to be able to have an impact on a person's life through my planner. And I want that to be an authentic experience. And so I really appreciate it when people reach out to me and say like, Hey, like, I think that I would really benefit from this planner. I think it would be really fun to like work together that I am absolutely super ecstatic about, but it just, I think it becomes hard to kind of discern like, okay, is this person talking about this because they're getting paid to talk about it? Or are they talking about it because it actually has a big impact on their life? Because it would be heartbreaking for me to send a product to somebody that is then just going to end up in the trash. Yeah, I can see why the authenticity and the trust is not as, I guess, um, clear when it's a bigger influencer versus like a smaller influencer, smaller blog. Yeah. It's also honestly quite challenging to, you know, reach out to some of those bigger bloggers. And I, it's not to say that I don't respect them um, and that I don't agree with like what they're doing. I think it's incredible and amazing. I think it's just difficult for, you know, a smaller business to, to kind of to get to those people and to feel like you are, you know, <laughs> you're, you're on the same level as some of those bigger brands who can pay top dollar for something. Um, you end up just kind of feeling a little bit lost and feeling a little bit discouraged. Hey, 
Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Do you spend a lot of time educating your, your customers, your prospective customers on, on how to use a plan or is it something that you focus on? So I think that we have done, I mean, over the years, we've updated our website um, pretty much quite consistently and constantly. And we, um, we do uh, have videos and ways of like using the planners, but I think that they are pretty straightforward. Each planner has its own sort of like planner guide in the beginning pages that you can kind of like read about how the planner is um, intended on being used and the kind of like system um, that it follows. We also have like, we have lots of different types of planners now. So each one has kind of like its own unique kind of like feature point um, because every, so many women do their planning so differently. So we, over the years, had to kind of come up with new solutions for other things that that women would want to plan their days with rather than just the one product. Um, But generally speaking, the people who purchase our product are people who already use planners and who've already done their research. They already know the competitors. They maybe have used a competitor's planner and they're looking for something different or they've been searching for something different and now they finally found it. Um, so they, they actually, the market that we're in, they understand exactly what they're looking for. And when they see it, they know that it's the right thing. What's the main area of focus that, that you focus on to differentiate yourself from competitors? So the number one thing is the aesthetic. I have, I mean, I'm, I was born in Switzerland. I grew up in Switzerland. I lived there for 14 years. And so I was always around very like minimalist design and like modern looking things. And so I think that I carry that forward in my design work. And so from the feedback that I've gotten, that's the number one thing that women like the most is having something that is like aesthetically beautiful that can sit on your desk that you can look at that almost becomes like an accessory in your life you know you can put it in your purse you can feel good about pulling it out in a meeting and taking notes and things like that and it just it becomes this kind of like symbol of power in your everyday that kind of is helping you keep it all together and do all of these things so you credit a lot of your success to word of mouth and having a beautiful and visual product certainly is critical to that. But you, do you do anything else to encourage your customers to share your product? So I think that what the beautiful thing is like it's kind of happening organically. So, you know, we we include really personalized like we handwrite every person's name on our order. Uh, we include really personalized notes to them. We ask them to leave a product review. Um, so all of those things are actually kind of happening organically when the person receives the parcel in the mail um, and they feel inclined because of the aesthetic to kind of like share about it on social media and talk about, you know, the different benefits that they're experiencing from having this planner in their life. Um And obviously that goes out to all of their friends. And so, you know, we don't even have to ask to be like, hey, do you mind posting this on Instagram? It ends up happening organically, which is really, really quite beautiful. And um, obviously in the age of e-commerce, I think that that is a huge, huge thing. I think like having nice packaging and having something that makes people feel good that they actually want to talk about can be such a huge selling point for your brand and obviously such a a really great sort of like social share um, benefit where you don't even have to ask them to promote it. They will just do it themselves because it's something that they resonate with. So you shared with us earlier that you worked with a big retailer. How did you come up with the? How did how did you, how were you able to partner with them? What is what's the process behind that? 
Well, honestly, I think I was getting really annoying to them. So they were just like, screw it. We'll just, we'll just deal with this. But so I think that what ended up being kind of like the, the defining factor is that they, they requested, I think they requested three copies um, that they were going to send to a few different people to kind of review. And the overall, I guess, feedback had been that this is, you know, this is kind of a trend that they've been seeing in the planner community, maybe like a bit of a niche of something that they hadn't seen before. And they, this was kind of like in the age of like when Kate Spade was really big and everyone wanted everything Kate Spade. And so my, my planner kind of like fit in with that aesthetic. It's not an aesthetic that I identify with anymore. Um, but you know, when I was, when I was 24, it, it made sense. Um, but it just aesthetically fit really well into, um, the lifestyle that I think their customer or at least their female customer was experiencing at the time. And obviously it ended up working out really well. They only sold online. Um, we ended up being on their shelves. Um, I think it was two years later for, we did a a limited edition series of planners for Indigo, um, two years after that. So we were physically on the shelf then. Um, however, I'm going to put a disclaimer here. I do not recommend working with a big retailer like that. It was a, um, it was not a good experience for me. Um, and I actually, it was, it was a really, really incredible learning experience for me, but I, I do not recommend for small businesses to get involved with companies like that. So one of the powerful things about working with a big retailer is that exposure to new customers. But what, what were the problems that you encountered that you faced with working with a big retailer? I mean, I think it can obviously be, it can give you exposure to new customers. Um, but the the thing that was obviously the most difficult is that t- they took 70%, which at that point, like my margin is so small that I'm barely making a profit. And I was, I was so small at the time that obviously I was open to taking anything. But I think about this now and I think about, wow, I was losing 70% of my margin. What if I had taken all of that money and put it into Facebook ads instead? Like what could have happened then? Like I could have been driving all of this traffic to my own site and I could have been selling at full margin instead of just giving up that money and like hoping for people to reorder. The other problem that you face with these big retailers is if they notice that your product is selling really well, they're just going to go and make it themselves. And that's what happened. So they ended up um, actually taking a lot of my designs and a lot of my work and basically putting it on anything and everything that they were selling that would go along with my planner. So I was getting, you know, at the time I was getting Snapchat messages and like, like photos of people being like, oh, I didn't know that you made this. I didn't know that you made that. And none of that was my product. Yeah, that must have been super frustrating that you spent all this time designing and creating your product and then they just copy you like that. Very, especially if you're small and like you have all these cool ideas and then you see this company who's just like taking it and like ripping you off and there's nothing you can do, you know? So I just think about, you know, if you're going to give up, if you're going to leave money on the table, take that money and put it online and like drive all of that traffic to your own site um, versus, you know, relying on like this big retail chain to kind of like drive your business. Because the other thing is, is like at the drop of a hat, they could just say, we're out, we don't want this anymore. And then, you know, a large part of your business is gone. Nowadays, when you create new products, what are some ways that you get this, this feedback from your, your customers on new product designs, new ideas? 
So we really, um, we do a lot of like, we're obviously very active on Instagram. So we do a lot of polls. We send out questionnaires through email. Um, we basically reach out to everyone who purchased the planner last year and we ask them sort of like, you know, what did you love? What didn't you love? What suggestions do you have? Like, what can we improve? And people are really actively happy to give that feedback and certain people write you know entire essays about certain things that they love or really really didn't like and it's always funny because um <laughs> the, the, the the sort of comment at the end is always like it's not that I I'm not gonna buy the planner again it's just that I really didn't like this part about it but I'm still gonna go and buy it again next year so I just wanted to give you my feedback which is kind of funny and also obviously amazing now, I want to talk about marketing and the, the sales you've been able to generate online. What has been the most successful marketing channel for you? Our most kind of like successful thing um, that we're doing right now is through email capture. And um, what we actually do that I think um, a lot of people don't do is we give away um, a free product for email subscription. So when people sign up for our email newsletter, with their first order, they get a free sticker pack. Um, I know that a lot of other companies, um, you know, do like get 10% off, um, but there's actually so much more value in giving somebody, you know, like a $13 value product. Um, and that doesn't mean that that product has to cost you $13, but um, I think the value of getting a free product with your first order is just like something that people don't like to pass up. I also think that as a small business, I, I, you don't want to train your customer to expect a discount all the time. Um, I think that that's a really bad plan of action because then if you come out with something new, they'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to wait two weeks because it's just going to be on sale. Um, so you want to find ways that you can obviously bring sales in without actually doing a sale. Um, and that maybe sounds a little bit funny, but there's so many different ways that you can kind of create a secret sale without actually being like, here's 30% off because we do that. We do that once a year on, you know, like obviously the Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing, but throughout the year, we kind of find secret ways of giving people value of kind of doing a sale without actually being like, you know, here's 25% off kind of thing. So we have kind of like an email automation sequence set up that, you know, they get um, first they get a welcome email. Um, they get sent a blog post about productivity, about how to get productive. And that blog post kind of includes um, one or two of our planners of just like how to kind of crush your to do list and how to be better with your to do list and different tips and tricks that you can kind of like use to um, cross more things off. Um, they get um, a video, um, they get, uh, I think they get a, a, the third or fourth email. They do get a little discount, um, if they haven't purchased at that point, but we really focus a lot on valuable content, uh, and making sure that kind of like people get this or feel like they want to be a part of this experience of like feeling productive, feeling motivated and feeling like they have their life together. So you have a, a very seasonal product where you get most of your sales during a certain time of the year. How do you manage a business with a, with a product like that? So we've actually been able to, over the last um, two years, we now have like extremely consistent revenue throughout the year. There aren't really necessarily any downtimes anymore. Um, we do obviously have our big product, our big dated product at the end of the year, but that's the only dated product that we sell now. We have um, a quarterly planner that renews every three months. 
that is undated. We also have a six month planner that renews every six months that's also undated that has a slightly different layout. We have an 18 month planner. We have an academic planner that starts in September. So there's always, and people are always ordering these before they actually need them because they wanna be able to put in the dates. They wanna be able to add their appointments, add their anniversaries, their birthdays, all of those things so that when they're actually ready to use it, they have it ready to go. Having a product that has a shelf life is obviously both it's incredible but it's also <laughs> can be really challenging because you know if you don't sell within a certain time frame it starts to devalue and then you have to discount you're being forced to discount um, because there's just so much less demand for it um, however what we found is with our annual um, our annual sort of like obviously right now we're coming up to 2021 planner people will pre-order as early as July for the new year so they because of like the kind of like market that we're in these a lot of the our customers are they want to be very organized and they want to make sure that they have their planner for the new year also because we tend to sell out people from the previous year feel inclined to kind of pre-order to make sure that they don't miss out this year so we always do a pre-order period of like two months before we actually sell uh, send the planners out now you mentioned to me prior to the call prior to this call that your most successful and noteworthy marketing strategy so far has been your mystery boxes. So tell us more about these mystery boxes. Our mystery boxes are probably our best selling thing that we do. Um, and the way that it works is that we basically we come up with a series of items, like maybe that's four to five items that we have in our store that we can collectively like pull together to make sure that we still have, you know, just enough margin um, to sell these online without having to be like, oh, everything's 30% off. We just send out an email and we say, you know, we have a certain limited amount of mystery boxes available. You get five items for $55 instead of, you know, 90 or 110. Um, and there's only, you know, a hundred available. And then the from like from my standpoint what ends up being the alluring thing is like oh i'm getting all of these items that i'm gonna need at some point anyway you know whether that's a pen or a desk pad or a notepad or a journal or a planner you know the people who are kind of like into organizing and who are into getting their lives together they they're gonna want and use these things at some point anyway and so to them it just feels so exciting to be like oh like what am i gonna get what am I going to get in my box? Like I'm, you know, and we usually add in like random little things, like we'll put in a hair clip or something else that like maybe they wouldn't necessarily expect. So there's just like so much room to do, to do kind of like a fun thing um, by giving people something where they don't necessarily know um, what's going to come in the mail. And I would say 99% of the time, people are really happy with what they get, but there's always like one or two customers that are like, I hated everything. Um, but they might've not purchased anything in the past. Um, so they, they might've not, you know, necessarily known what they were getting into. Um, but generally speaking, if, you know, the customers that are kind of champions for your brand, um, who support you anyway, they just, they love this because they feel like it was personalized for them. They feel like it was curated and put together. And it just, it's something that is really unique that you can do, especially as a small business, because, you know, you're not part of like this, we're not part of a 3PL. We do all of our own like packing and shipping, um, because we also do customization. We do monogramming. So, um, it's something that you can easily do if you decide like, oh, like maybe I have this 
this journal or something that's been sitting that's not selling on our website, okay, well, let's throw it into a mystery box. So I think that that's a really great way to also get rid of old stock that maybe you aren't selling anymore. How much again for these mystery boxes? $55 has been the sweet spot. You also mentioned Black Friday and Cyber Monday being a critical time for your business. So tell us more about your strategy for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So for, I mean, for Black Friday, our strategy is a lot different than um, it would be throughout the year. Our Black Friday planning basically starts in September. um, And there is, I mean, there's probably like 20 or 30 or even 40 different emails that are all scheduled out. And like we really segment all of our lists out. So like it's a pretty intricate process. Um, But for example, if we decide to do one, let's say we do one for Easter, we do like an Easter mystery box. Usually what we'll do is we'll email the subscribers like a week before we give them a heads up like, hey, mystery boxes are coming. There's only going to be 100 available. Same thing goes for social media on our Instagram. And then, you know, we'll say, you know, they launch 9 a.m. PST Monday. We send out the email. We have the listing up. It exists as a product on the Shopify page. And then we kind of just like sell through them. And if we don't sell through them in the day, we continue promoting throughout the week. Um, and then eventually they're just, they're gone. You also have something super cool on your website, which is, which are these Easter egg hunts. Tell us more about how these Easter egg hunts work. <laughs> I had this idea when I was driving in traffic like two years ago. I guess it was this my third Easter egg hunt. Yeah, it was my third. So it was almost three years ago. Um, I was thinking about, um, we had the mystery boxes, but how can we do this even better and like, kind of different in a way that like nobody else is doing. So we decided to do, because uh, Easter was coming up, I decided to do an Easter egg hunt. So what, what we do is I create these unique kind of like mystery boxes that all have kind of like different items. Some of them have the same items. Um, so we usually do two different sized eggs. You know, one egg is $98 and the other egg is $55. And then essentially what we do is we hide them throughout the website. So people have to go and search for them and we only have one of each egg. So, you know, whether you get egg number one or egg number eight, um, if you notice that the egg is sold out, that means that somebody else has already grabbed it. And that means that you have to continue hunting for an egg that's still available. And we usually launch these, um, at like 8 a.m. and we're sold out by 9 a.m. And it's one of the only things that we do that sells out immediately. But it's also something that we can't do all the time. Like I think the reason that it works so well is because we only do it, you know, the once a year, twice a year type of thing. Now, did you build this the website in-house? You hire an agency to, to, to create the website, to create the online store? So um, actually my partner um, is the designer and like we kind of do it together. So he has, he's a really good coder. I really benefit from that. So him and I work on it together. We constantly improve it. We just did a bunch of, we just changed all of our our, um, our menu on the weekend. So we're always kind of like tweaking and going. It's really, really beneficial that I have somebody that can do the coding work if there's something that I want to change. So we, we work on it together on the website. What about any apps or, or products or services that you rely on to run your business? So 
Our biggest thing um, over the last year has been switching to kind of what I was talking about earlier, switching to product for email signup versus discount for email signup. So we were using, we used, um, we were using a different app last year um, that allowed you to basically put in your email. And then once you click to submit your email, a discount code immediately pops up versus having to send a discount code to the person's email first, where they have to go and check the email. But what we ended up deciding a couple of weeks ago is to, we use Klaviyo for our email newsletter software um, and Klaviyo now has pop-ups. So we're actually now using a Klaviyo pop-up that directly kind of connects to our, our email and it's actually performing um, really, really well, even though somebody has to actually go and check their email to get the code. But that has been kind of like the biggest sort of like defining thing um, that we that we tweaked last year on the website um, that has made a huge difference. So uh, we use Recharge for our subscription products. Uh, we use Stamped for reviews. And then we also use Metafields um, in within like sort of the product pages to kind of like customize certain things, you know, add in your kind of like Instagram feed or sort of like, you know, people sharing your product kind of thing. Uh, we're able to add in like YouTube videos and things like that. So those are, I think those are probably the three biggest ones. Uh, back in stock is a really good one too. If, you know, something is out of stock, people are able to put their email in and then you can email them once, you know, the item is back in stock. Um, and then we use infinite options for the, the monogram feature. So I like how you have a video playing at the very top of the website. It's really the first thing that you see instead of a, an image. Why did you decide to do video instead of an image? I do. Yeah, because I think it gives the brand an all-encompassing look and feel of like what it is about and also like kind of gives people a look into like what is the lifestyle of still, you know, what is that, what is that movement all about? So it's much easier to kind of communicate that over video than it is just through a static photo. So stillclassics.com is the website, it's a store. And I'll leave you with this last question, Marissa. What do you think has been the biggest lesson you've learned this past year that you now want to apply moving forward? I think that recently what I've learned is that there are a multitude of things that can happen that are completely out of your control. Um, and I think what's important to remember is that you continue to stay on your feet and reinvent whenever there's kind of like a, a difficult time. And I think that especially when you're going through difficult times, there's so much room for um, innovation. Thank you so much for your time, Marissa. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.